Welcome to the Sunday Morning Podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Burgess Hill. This message is by Kevin Vanderput. Maybe as you're sitting, just, uh, are you ready for this morning? Yeah? All right, just, just, just shout back at me. I'm ready, all right? Are you ready? ready. Uh, let's try that again. Let's try that again. At home, are you ready? I'm going to say, are you ready? And you say, I'm ready, yeah? All right. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, good. Ask your neighbor, are you ready? Uh, did he say yes? Did she say yes? Okay, good, good. All right. Well, my name is Kevin. Uh, my wife and I, Sharon, we lead the congregation in Burgess Hill, but uh, it's so good to be with you here in Horsham. Uh, and for everyone who's at home, a big hi. I know Burgess Hill is doing church at home, so we're meeting in different homes this morning as a congregation. So hi, guys. Don't start the barbecue without me later. That'd be great. Um, I'm really excited to be here. Uh, it's so good. I, I love coming here because it, it reminds me that we are one church in many locations. I see so many friendly faces and, and it's good to be worshiping with you guys today. So thank you for having me. Um, we've been on a, on, a, on a journey for the last few weeks. Um, Pastor Clive shared uh, two weeks ago about uh, this, this message was titled, his message was titled, The Devil Ain't Gonna Have the Last Word, Right? It was such a good message about not letting the enemy have his way in our lives. And last week, I think it was last week anyway, (laughs) his message was called being awake and alert. And we want to be aware of what's going on around, especially in the times we are living, right? And I just want to build on that this morning. I want to to say some of the things maybe might sound similar, but I want to just build on, on what has been shared this morning. And we're going to get right into the word, right? So it's going to be really good. Actually, before we get into the word, have you ever found yourself in a situation where, I don't know, there was a decision involved and it involved other people generally, it's not just you making the decision, and you went along with that decision, right, with the group, and you were like, yeah, okay, let's do it, and then the project went to bits, and the first thing you said is, I knew it, I knew it wasn't going to work, I I knew this wasn't going to work, we were better off before, I knew it. And maybe everyone else answered, well, if you knew it, why, why, did, why didn't you say something? Like, why did you let... No? Any, any, yeah. I, I might be the only one. Well, there's one or two hands, all right, that, that's done it. But actually, I'm not the only one because the Israelites were in a very similar situation in the Bible, uh, in the passage that we're going to read today. It's found in Exodus chapter 14. And uh, we're going to read that and... Um, yeah, it's, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. It's a, it's a very famous story that we're going to read in that passage. It involves Moses. Who knows about Moses? Yeah, a few hands. Good. We know about Moses. Uh, he's a bit of a big character in the Bible. So, uh, And we all know the story, right? Moses, the burning bush, the plagues, Pharaoh, the Egyptians, the Israelites, the, the Red Sea. Like it's a bit of a, of a manic story, right? So let me give you a bit of like where we are in the story, a bit of context uh, before we, uh, we pick up. So what's been happening, plagues have come, yeah, so all the plagues have come, um, and Pharaoh lets the people go, right? He's overwhelmed, he's like, I've had enough, I'm going to let the Israelites go. And so the Israelites leave with Moses leading them, and they head towards the desert, they come uh, against the sea, so they're in front of the sea, right? And, and, and while they're doing that, the idea of, of, 
just sinks in into like what Pharaoh has done, right? He's like, oh, I've, I've let the Israelites go. Like, what, what's wrong with me? Like, uh, we need them. Okay, let's gather the army. Let's gather all the people. Let's go after them, right? So Pharaoh's coming after them. So the Israelites found themselves in this awkward position because in front of them, there's a sea. They can't go forward. And, and at the back of them, there's this Pharaoh coming with all his armies. All the Egyptians are coming. So they can't go back either. And so they've got, they've got nowhere left to go, right? They're stuck. Can't go forward. Can't go back. No option left. And here's where we pick up the story today. And why, where my example, you know, I was telling you, oh, can't believe this. I knew it wouldn't happen. Remember that? Well, it's going to come in right now. So let's, let's read it. Exodus 14, if you've got your Bible, second book in the Bible. Shouldn't be too hard to find. Just turn there quickly. We'll start at verse 10 and I'll read it for you. It says, as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them. So as I said, Egyptians coming at them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said, Moses, was it because there were no grave in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die here in the desert. Then Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance of the Lord that he will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go after them, meaning the Israelites. And I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all of his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptian will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. Now, we're not going to keep reading the story because it would get way too long, but there's stuff of like epic proportion that happens, right? We, we always remember the sea, but there was also a cloud and, and the cloud came between the Israelites and the Egyptians and it kept one group in the dark while the other one in the light in, through the night so that they wouldn't interact with each other. Uh, then Moses obviously stretched out his hands. The sea splits. Like, honestly... Uh, you might just say, like, Kev, we might as well have read it because we've just gone through it. But it's just so exciting, everything that happens in that story. I mean, someone needs to let the Russo brothers and Marvel know about this story, right? I know there's the Prince of Egypt, but I feel like Marvel should pick this story up and do something amazing with it. So if you're watching Marvel, let us know. Um, but let's focus on our key three verse for today. Well, the first few we'll start off with is the response of the... Israelites, right? As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and they were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing you, us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. See the Israelites' answer to this situation? It's like I told you in the beginning. They went along with it, but first opportunity were like, I knew it. 
I knew this wouldn't work. Moses, why did you bring us here? We were better off before. This isn't working. There's no solution. We are stuck, right? Why did you get us here? We're going to die anyway. Now watch Moses' answer. Moses says, he answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. For the Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. Here's our title for today. And what I believe God is saying to each of us this morning, stand firm. Right? It's, it's Moses' answer to the people, stand firm. I know right now, some of us, myself included, it might feel like life's a bit crazy, right? Like everything that could go wrong has gone wrong. Like every plan that you've made, you've gone from A to Z, you've done them all, and you don't know what to do. It's overwhelming. You might feel like the disciples in the storm, waves coming from every side, and you're screaming, Jesus, we're going to die, don't you care? Just like the Israelites, Moses, we're going to die, don't you care? Maybe it's not as drastic as death, like whatever situation you're facing, but it certainly, things, it certainly feels like things couldn't get any worse, like you can't catch your breath. And like Pastor Clive was saying the other week, the enemy is out to get us, right? But he ain't going to have the last word. God is saying to you today, stand firm. Stand firm. He's, it's what he's saying right now. Don't be afraid. Stick with me. You're about to witness something extraordinary. Right? Hey, are you, are you still alive? I'm only like 10 minutes in or something. Like, you're, you're all asleep. Are you ready? All right. A bit, a bit of life in the room. Come on. You're about to witness something extraordinary. Thank you, Jesus. So you might ask me, well, Kev, it's all good what you're saying. You seem all excited, but how do we keep standing firm? Like, I'm a bit tired right now. Well, before we even figure out how to keep standing firm, I think we need to understand what we're standing on, right? If we're standing firm, we need to stand firm on something or in something, right? 1 Thessalonians 3.8 says, it's a very simple verse, but it says, For now we really live, since you are standing firm in the Lord. So the writer is saying, I'm alive, I feel alive, because I know you are standing firm in the Lord. What are they standing firm in? In the Lord. Hey, a bit of life in the room, I love it. We need to make sure that we are standing firm in God, that our trust is in Him, not in anything else, Right? See, it's, it's really easily said, God, I trust you. But when it comes to it, do we really? Is our faith really placed in him? I'm going to tell you a little story. Um, I've been on a really long journey that I'm still on <laughs> with uh, God and, and finances, with trusting and knowing God as my provider. And, and I'm still on that journey, as I was saying. My point in telling you this is that as far as I can remember, I've always said, God, I trust you with my finances. However, it's easy for me to say that when there's money stored on a savings account, right? Now, don't, don't get me wrong here. I'm not saying it's wrong to have money saved on a savings account. But for the sake of my story, it was easy for me to say, God, I trust you with my finances and I believe you are my provider when there was money there. 
Because even if God didn't provide in the way I expected him to in that moment, I could always fall back on what was there, right? And then suddenly, when there's no more money on the savings account, and, 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 and I have to pay bills or whatever needs to happen, I realized I was kind of freaking out, like, God, where are you? What are you doing? What's happening? And all this fear is rising up inside of me. And I quickly realized that although I was saying the right words, my trust was in the money that was on the savings account, right? I'm not saying that's you. I'm not saying, again, that it's wrong to do that. But there was a backup plan for me, you see? And if we are to stand firm in God, on God, having our trust in him, we can't have no backup plan. All right. See, as long as we have a backup plan, we'll have one foot in with God, but we have the other foot in whatever else there is. It can be so many things like relationships, doctors, money, whatever else. I'm not saying that God can't use medicine to get you out of whatever situation, but our trust, our faith needs to be in God alone. God and nothing else. No backup plan. Right? Can you say it with me? No backup plan. Let's try that again. No backup plan. Right? Our trust is in God. Because there might come a point where everything else fails. Right? What happens then? Just like the Israelites. They're there. They've come to the end of themselves. Maybe you've come to the end of yourself. There's no direction in which to go. The sea is there. The Egyptians are there. There's nowhere to go. God, I need you. Right now, I need a miracle. There's nothing that I can do. I need a divine intervention. I need a way where there seems to be no way. I need you, Jesus. That is the best place to be in because it allows God to do him, to be God, to do what only he can do. Right? No backup plan. So we are standing firm in God, right? Now that we've established what we're standing on, we can answer the question, well, how do we keep standing firm? And sometimes it seems like whatever situation we're in, it stretches for what feels to be eternity, right? I don't know if you've ever been there. I know I have. And when you read the situation with the Israelites, they were, you, you, you read the chapters, you read it through, and you know it so well that it feels like, well, deliverance came pretty quickly, right? But believe me, if you're the Israelites at that point, and you see this massive sea in front of you, and you know the army's coming, and they're coming to kill you, right? It's not like they're going to tell you a good joke when they arrive. No, they, they, they're coming for you. Suddenly, seconds seems like minutes. That seems like hours. And it's like, God, where are you? What are you doing? We can see them arriving, like feel the, the climactic point of the moment, you know? The longer it goes on for Maybe the more impossible the situation seems, right? The more impossible it seems. And like Pastor Clive said the other week, the enemy is really good at reminding us, making us feel like, hey, this situation's impossible. You're never going out of that. You're never going to find freedom from that. You, 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 this is you. This is who you are and this is who you'll stay to be. But we stand firm. We need to stand firm, knowing that God is faithful and that he is our deliverer. 1 Corinthians 16, 13 says this, Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. Again, they're standing firm. We stand firm in what? In the faith 
Yeah, we stand firm in God, in who he is. And he says, be courageous. I can get along with that. Yeah, be courageous. But actually, I read this verse all wrong so many times. Because then it says, be strong. And I always thought, I took this, be strong as, you know, man up, Kevin. Be strong. Whatever, you know, be a guy, like act tough or whatever you may interpret it as. You know, just, just be strong. Don't, you know, why are you being a wimps? Why are you being overwhelmed? Be strong. But actually in the Greek, the word used to be strong there, to describe be strong is kriteo. Now don't quote me on my pronunciation, but it really means to be strengthened. So what that verse, and that changes everything, right? You read it in a completely different way. You might be like, no, nah, it doesn't make a difference. It makes a difference to me, right? It, it, you read it completely differently. What it's really saying here in this verse is, as you stand firm in the faith, you continue to put your trust in God and come into him, you will be strengthened, right? That makes the whole difference. It's not God saying, oh, Kev, man up. Like, stand the situation, stand your ground. What are you doing? No, it's Kev, as you keep coming to me, as you're standing firm on me, as you're standing firm in who I am, I'm giving you strength. I'm providing everything that you need. I'm giving you strength. You will be strengthened. Come on, that's encouraging to me. So here's the key, really. How do we keep standing firm? We keep coming to God. We find strength in Him. It's like a cycle. A situation comes up, right? We, dec we decide to stand firm and then we keep coming to God. He gives us strength to keep standing firm. And it's like this cycle that comes on, it keeps going. And have you noticed, maybe situations always seem to be bigger than the last one? Anyone ever noticed that in your Christian life? As I keep moving forward in my life, I look back and what I thought was this overwhelming wave of death now seems like something out of a kid's pool, you know? But what I'm facing in front is like, that's the wave of death. It's a bit scary sometimes. But as the waves keep going, coming, and it might seem more and more impossible, the key is to keep digging deeper with God. He's the only one that can equip. He's the only one who can provide a solution. He's the only one who can satisfy now, why do you think God has been speaking so much to us as a church about intimacy, about letting him be in charge of this dance of our lives, right? About being overwhelmed with him so we're not overwhelmed with anything else. It's because God knows full, he knows fully where you're at in your life. But more than that, he knows what's coming ahead. We might not know, but there are situations coming that are going to be tough. And he knows fully. And what he's saying is, hey, kid, the only way you're going to make it is if you stay as close to me as possible. Right? Stay close. Be overwhelmed with my presence, with my truth, with my love, with my power. Don't be overwhelmed with anything else. We've tasted of a better well. Sharon, my wife, she preached this amazing message. I'm a bit biased, but it was amazing in Burgess Hill a few weeks ago. And, uh, and she shared about the woman at the well. And, 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 you know, it's a famous story in the Bible. And to give you a bit of context, there's, there's this well and there's a woman and there's Jesus. Uh, and, uh, and Jesus says, you know, pour me a glass or something. And then the woman's like, well, you don't have anything to get the water, whatever. Point of the story, Jesus makes this, this point saying, I am the well. 
I am the well of life. If you taste from me, you will never have to drink of anything else again. You will never thirst again because you have tasted of the well of life. Whatever else you drink from, you will be thirsty again. But if you drink from me, you will never have to thirst Again, we have tasted of a better well. He's the well of life. He's the one who gives life. And the only way for us to keep standing firm is to keep going back to that well. Drink from him. Keep putting our trust in him. We have tasted of a better well. The well of life. Thank you, Jesus. There's usually three responses to any adversity, right? It's fancy people in fancy suit with glasses. They got together, they analyzed the behavior of people, and they said, here are the three responses people have when there's adversity. Um, fight, flight, or freeze, right? Have you ever heard about that before? Yeah, cool. Fight, flight, or freeze. You know, a lot of people left Jesus aside when adversity came up. When his teaching became hard to believe or let alone follow, Here's the thing, Jesus never said it was going to be easy. And in John 6, we see this moment where Jesus just taught something. He taught about being the bread of life and all of that. And he turns towards the people that are there, the people that have been following him. And actually people's response is, is not what you can expect. And in, in John 6, 66, it says, from this time, so right after that teaching, from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. And then Jesus turns to the 12, his closest guys, his homies, you know. He says, you do not want to leave me too, do you? Jesus asked the 12. And I love Simon Peter's answer. Simon says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. To whom shall we go? When things get hard, the temptation might be to flee, right? But really, there's nowhere to go. Like Simon Peter said, God, where am I going to go? Like, you're the only one I know because I've seen you do it before. You're the only one who can provide a solution here. I can't do anything. No one else can do anything for me. You are the only one. Where am I going to go? Yes, it's tough, but there's nowhere else to go. You have the words of eternal life. You are the holy God. There's really nowhere to flight in our response. It's nothing else that's going to cut it. And the weird thing is that it might almost seem like it could, you know? Like, let's look back at the response of the Israelites. Let's read that verse again quick. What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. How crazy is this? In the face of adversity, they think, let's go back. Let's go back to how it was before. And the enemy can almost make our past seem enticing, right? Things were easier then. It was a better time, whatever. Things weren't easier before for the Israelites. Who are they kidding? They were beaten, enslaved. Their children were sacrificed. Rather than standing firm, they want to flee back to that life. And God knows this, and, he, and he's going to use this to show them 
And the words that come next in that passage are so important. But before we go there, Philippians 3.13 says, One thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. We're not going back. We are not going backwards. We are pressing forward and we find God enabling us, enabling the Israelites actually, as well as us, to do that in the story. Because look at Moses' answers again, answer again. It says, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. There's power in that verse. It may seem impossible to you right now, but don't be afraid. God's saying, don't let fear overwhelm you. The situation might have gone on for a long time. Hey, the Israelites were under the Egyptians for ages, right? It's gone on so long, maybe that it feels normal. Like, this is me. This is my daily life. But stand firm, because son, daughter, whatever situation you're facing right now, God is saying, I'm bringing deliverance. I'm bringing deliverance today. Hey, I believe that God is going to bring deliverance today, that he's going to switch some situations around. Whatever you're facing, if you have some faith, believe today that God is about to change it all. He's turning it all around. And it's quiet. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Nothing else will satisfy. When you've got nowhere to go, God is saying, place your faith in me. Trust in me. Let me strengthen you because I'm fighting for you in whatever you are facing. You will never see again, right? He's saying, the, the, the Egyptians you're facing right now, you will never see them again. You will never see them again. Oh, come on. God is speaking to some of us right now, to some of you at home. I know for a fact because I've been praying and God's told me that even things have been tough, even if people feel at the end of themselves, even if they feel like they can't stand anymore, I'm about to bring some strength for them to carry on. But I'm also about to bring deliverance to the situation. Thank you, Jesus. And he's the only one that can do that. You will never see them again. You will never face that situation again. I'm bringing you deliverance. Deliverance is here. And a few verses later, we read that at the very beginning. You probably forgot, so we're going to read them again. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them, meaning the Israelites. And I will gain glory through what? Through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptian will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through what? Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. Why is he saying that twice? He's making sure we get the point. What is God saying? You know, we often, we often quote this verse or we say this thing as a, as a Christian. Well, what the enemy intended for, for evil, God turned for good. Right? Have you ever heard that before? If you've been in church any length of time, you should have. <laughs> now there's this verse. It says, you intended to harm me but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. You know where this verse is found? Ah, oh, give it away. Genesis 50. And, and, and you know what's happening at that point? Uh, it's actually Joseph saying that. And he's saying that to his brothers. After everything that's happened to the guy, after everything, after everything he's gone through, after everything that his brothers have done to him, he's saying, he's saying you intended to harm me 
But God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. And suddenly there's another dimension to everything that's going on with the Israelites right now. Because what God is saying to Moses here is the circumstance you have been through, whatever you've been facing, well, the Egyptians, the chariots, the horsemen, all of that, I will show you how great I am by bringing you freedom from it. But not only that, I'm going to use your circumstances then to bring glory to myself, right? I'm going to use those circumstances for the saving of many lives, Joseph says. There is purpose in what you're going through right now. There is a reason for us standing firm. Bringing freedom to others. Saving many lives. Yes, it's hard. But we're not here to give up. We're not responding with flight. We're responding with fight. We're going to fight the good fight of faith. And you know what's good about this fight? The best news ever we got the victory. Might not feel like it right now, but I promise you, we got the victory. God is victorious, and let me tell you, He's never known defeat. How comforting is that? Whatever I'm facing, however big it seems, I know for a fact, God, you've never failed me, failed me, but not only that, you've never failed humanity. Whatever people have been facing, past, presence, whatever they'll face in the future, I know that no one and nothing can defeat you. He provides the victory. He's bringing deliverance. God is so good. And so we keep our eyes on God. We keep our eyes on God. We don't keep them on the waves or the circumstances. We don't try to figure out why behind Him the purpose is in standing firm in the midst of it. There's this cheesy phrase that's used in one of the courses. It says that, that we, that, a course. And it, say, <laughs> it says, it, it has this cheesy, and the first time I heard it, I was like, I don't know how I feel about this sentence. But it said, you're going to have sweet revenge on the enemy or something like that. You can now exercise your sweet revenge on the enemy. What, 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 it, what is it saying? It's saying, hey, Whatever you've been facing, whatever has made you you, whatever has brought you to where you are today, you know, like whatever your testimony is, whatever, you know, maybe you face some, some, some health issues or whatever, I know I have, or, or you, you have a past or like some, some hidden sin or things like that that God has brought you freedom from. God is going to use those things to then bring others into freedom, right? I have seen healing in my own life and it gives me faith to then go pray for others and see healing in their lives, right? The saving of many lives. Come on. God wants to use you just as you are. Whatever circumstance you have been through, whatever situation you've been facing, He's saying, man, I'm going to use you and I'm going to use those situation to save many lives. Thank you, Jesus. Because he provides the victory. There's victory. We know the end of the story. The sea split. Where there was no way and they were freaking out and they thought they were going to die. Moses! Why did you bring us here? Are you crazy? The sea split. 
And I have a situation where there was nowhere to go. God provides a way miraculously. Sorry for my pronunciation of certain words. You English people are so blessed speaking English. Honestly, there's some words here. You don't know the struggle. There's some words here in this preach. I had to watch an old lady on YouTube pronouncing certain words over and over again. Say it with me. Da, 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 da. I was like, okay, I'll say it with you. This is how I get here. The amount of practice it takes. Thank you, Jesus. The sea split. And they, they went through on dry ground. Suddenly a way was open. Suddenly victory was there. Suddenly breakthrough was there. Suddenly the whole thing was turned around just like God loves to do. And where there seemed to be no way, there was a way and it was clear as day. And they didn't have to swim through. There was no struggle in that moment. They walked on dry ground. They could just travel in peace through the circumstances onto the victory. The sea split. The waves were pushed back. I believe that this morning, some of the situations you're facing, some things are splitting right now, splitting right open. Some things are, are changing, switching. Some things are unlocking. God is bringing that deliverance. God is bringing that deliverance. Do you want to go? I was looking for you everywhere. I don't know what's happening. Thank you, Jesus. God is bringing that deliverance. And see, standing firm. If you read that verse, stand firm and the Lord will bring you deliverance. This and. Standing firm comes first. Right? We have to make that decision. It's not get delivered, then stand firm. Well, how easy would that be? But in the standing firm, in the stretching, in the crushing, we're learning some things, right? God can do it like this often. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying that's old news or whatever, that's for the old days. No, God still does that. But when we walk through a situation, I know for me it's been character building. My faith is stronger as a result. I see some things differently. That there's empathy for families, for people. There's compassion there. Why? Because I've walked through some stuff. Yes. I've walked through some stuff and I could not relate to those people. Or there's things I could not say if I hadn't gone through that journey. There is purpose in whatever you're going through. There is purpose there. And it was purpose for the Israelites because God was saying, hey, if, I, if, if you journey whatever, you might even deny that I did anything. You might even forget that I was God, that I was here. But he puts them in that situation because they can't deny at that point. I mean, I mean, it's not like Phil, wherever Phil is, he's gone. He was there. Whoever else. It's not like Toby can go stand in front of the sea by himself and say, hey, open up. Right? I love Toby, but he ain't got that power. It's God. It was God and only God. Only him could do something like that. He used a, a man. He did through Moses, but it was still God. God and God alone. You can start playing whenever you'd like. Sharon and I spend some time praying at the beginning of each year. We just ask God, like, what's going on in 2021? Or, you know, what do you want to say, God? And, and one of the things that God said 
to us, one of the pictures he gave us at the beginning of the year was of those mountains. And he simply said, look, those mountains, and those mountains seemed huge. And God simply said, look, those mountains that have been there, and some have been there for a very long time, this is the year. This is the year where mountains are moving. This is the year where those mountains are moving and you'll never see them again. You'll never see them again. Those mountains are breaking down. They're breaking apart. I'm taking care of it. I'm bringing that deliverance. And we've been standing on that word for nine months, right? It's September. How crazy is that? We've been standing on that word and we've seen some things change. We've seen something moves. We've seen some mountains getting rid of and they're out of the picture and we praise God for it. But there's still four months left. September, October, November, December. That's plenty of time for God to take care of plenty more mountains. And maybe you're here in September and you think, well, my mountain doesn't seem to have moved anywhere. I think God wants to give us strength this morning. Wants to give you strength, strength to keep going, strength to keep standing firm on Him. But not only that, let faith rise up in you this morning. Let faith rise up in you this morning because God wants to bring you deliverance from those things. He wants that mountain to move. I know there's situations that come to your mind right now because there's some that come to mind. Things I'm still believing for. And I know, God, you're going to move that mountain. Every time I pray for those things, I'm like, God, I know you have spoken. And you have never failed any word that you have given me. So I know, God, that that mountain is going to move. That mountain has to move because you are faithful. Because you are faithful and only you can do it, God. I need you to move that mountain. Let faith rise up in you this morning. Come on, stand up. Do something because there's something that needs to rise up in you. In us. I can't move that mountain for you. It's between you and God, but faith needs to rise up and you need to stand like Moses did and say, hey God, I'm standing firm now and I'm believing that these mountains are moving. I'm believing that you bringing deliverance. You bringing deliverance. You provide the victory, Father. You enable me. You strengthen me. Father, I've tasted of a better well. And I will keep coming to you because where else would I go? Father, we need you today. Only you can do it, Father. But I thank you that right now you're operating. Right now your spirit is moving. I thank you right now that some illnesses are being done and dealt with. Father, right now you bring healing to those people right now as they grab hold of you. As by faith they're saying, yes, Lord, I'm standing firm and I'm, I'm letting myself believe one more time, Father. I'm believing that mountain will move and I will never see it again. Father, I thank you that you answer that prayer of boldness right now, that prayer of faith. I thank you for your healing. I thank you for your healing going forth, Father. I thank you that you provide. You are the God who provides. You are the provider, Father. Wherever provision is needed, you are bringing provision right now, Father. And not only provision, but Father, you do more than we can ask or imagine. I thank you for multiplication over the situation, Father. Wherever provision was needed in whatever way, Father, I thank you that you go beyond. You do even more than people are standing for, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Maybe you've been standing here. Keep standing. 
Maybe you're standing at home and this whole time you've been listening to me and you think, well, my life's pretty great right now. This doesn't even apply to me. I'm standing here and my life's great. Uh-uh. That's not how it works. It does apply to you. It does apply to all of us. It applies to me. If I'm isolating myself from everything around me, from the church, from every relationship that I have, my life's pretty great right now. But I have relationships. I'm part of a church. I'm part of a body. And when one part of the body suffers, the whole body is suffering. When one part of the body celebrates, the whole body rejoices, right? Even if your life is great right now, there are people around you that are in those situations. And, and why do I feel so emotional? Because my heart is breaking, not for myself, but for those people, those situations, those mountains that I believe will move. I know even mountains of myself, of my own, the mountains in the lives of others. But we are standing as one body, Kingdom Faith Church, everyone involved. And we're standing firm with one another. And we believe in, we believe in for healing in your life. I'm believing with you, whoever you are this morning. I'm believing mountains are moving. I'm believing with you. We need to be standing with one another. We need to know of these things. Hey, it might require a bit of vulnerability. God's been speaking about that too. It might require you to be a bit honest, to le let people in a bit deeper. We're gonna get into a series called Culture of Grace next week. I can't wait for it, it's gonna be so good because God's been speaking about that. God's touching on that. We need to be open with one another and be able to say, hey, hey, you know how he's been speaking about mountain moving, situation breaking, all of that, I I'm there. I need this to move. If, if, if you don't let people know, they can have word of no, words of knowledge, but they also, they also would like a, a word from you. <laughs> so much easier. They cannot stand with you if they don't know what's going on. So we all got a part to play in this. And all together, all together, we're gonna see the victory. We're gonna see the victory. We're gonna see the victory. The, our God has already done it. Our God is the God of breakthrough. Our God is the God of deliverance. Our God is the God who's faithful, who never fails. Our God is worthy of all our praise. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God is so good. It's getting hot in here. I should have gone with the t-shirt option. Thank you, Lord. Let's just pray before we finish, shall we? Father, I thank you. I thank you for everything that you have spoken today. I thank you because you're pointing your finger on, on, on some things, some situations where maybe, maybe we've just settled with it, like the Israelites. Maybe we got used to the Egyptians. Maybe we got used to the circumstances. Maybe we got used to living a certain way. Father, right now you're saying, now, this isn't my best for you. This isn't my best for you. I'm telling you today, stand firm. Stand firm. Lord, teach us. Teach us as a body, as Kingdom Faith Church, as your church, to stand firm together. Stand firm with one another. Father, do it in me first, Lord. Teach me how to love better. Teach me compassion the way Jesus had compassion. Father, just enable us 
enable us to stand firm together. Give us the words to say, or maybe there's no word to speak. Give us the faith to boldly pray for one another. Father, but I thank you that your word today will stand firm and I will bring you deliverance. So Father, we just thank you today for everything that you brought deliverance from, for, for the thoughts pattern. It might just be a way of thinking, but that is broken right now. It might be, it might be a, a, a way you feel every day. You feel heavy and, and sad and, and whatever's going on, that's lifting off right now. That's, God, that's not God's best for you. God brings fullness of life, fullness of joy. I'm speaking that over you right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Long-term illnesses, long-term sickness are broken right now. We speak over you and say, be healed in Jesus' name. Your deliverance is here. Your deliverance is here. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And thank you, Lord, that as a result, you are going to bring the saving of many lives. We're going to see the saving of many lives through each of our lives, through our testimony. By the word of their testimony, the word says, thank you, Father. Give us boldness and courage. Strengthen us when we need to open our mouth and share. Thank you, Lord. Oh, Father, I'm so in awe of everything that you are doing in us as a church. I'm humbled by how amazing you are. Lord, continue. Don't let that word stop today. And if you're at home, if you're in a group right now, I know Burgess Hill's meeting in houses, don't, don't let this moment pass. Ask questions later. Start a conversation. Maybe you need to bring a bit of honesty in the room. Say, I need this mountain. I need help. I want a conversation about this. Pray together. Pray with one another. Here in the room, don't let this moment pass either. Don't rush away. Maybe in your conversations, don't just say, hi, Chelsea won at football. Great. It is great. But, hey, was that message for you today? Is there anything I can pray for? Is there anything we can stand together in? Father, we thank you. You are so good to us. We praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name we prayed. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.